the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Calabrese, joined by Mike Ionello for our bowl extravaganza here in G5 land, going through every single game that involves one of those wonderful programs from the Group of Five. We're going to start with Georgia Southern against Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl and walk you all the way through the wilderness, back out on the other side for Oregon against Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl. So let's get started with that Myrtle Beach matchup. Georgia Southern, a three and a half point favorite over Ohio. You know, by kickoff in this game, the Bobs could be down their starting quarterback, their top two running backs. That's not a good situation. Like offensively, this is a team that was not humming for most of the year. You know, if Rourke is out because of the portal, Parker Navarro with virtually no experience is their guy. And Georgia Southern has much fewer question marks. Jalen White is out at running back, but everyone else as of recording right now seems to be in. And also, I'd like to point out Davis Brin, somebody that we've made no bones about. The guy has been a turnover machine in his career. He actually had eight games with zero or only one pick this season. He's so liable to go off. He had five picks against Wisconsin. He had three turnovers or four turnovers against App State. But in general, I think if I were to play this one, I'm going to go ahead with the under because Ohio was an under machine this year. Nine of their 12 games went under the closing number. So that's my lean in this one. You're going to listen through. We don't have strong opinions on every single game. We're going to be straight with you. We're going to try to help you out with your confidence pool as well. And a quick shout out to the absolute goat of the transfer portal and opt-out season. That's our man, Stucky. He has put together a living document that's up on the Action Network website and the app. It is updated daily. It's giving you all the breaking news for who's in, who's out, who's you know training for the NFL draft coaching movement, all of it. You absolutely need it before you lock in plays. So please go ahead and check that out. We couldn't do our job without him doing this incredible job. So shout out to Stuck. All right. What are your thoughts here on the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Ionello? Well, first, I just want to tag on that and say, uh, for those listening, depending on when you listen, because we're going to run through all the way through New New Year's, we're recording this Monday, December 11th. So obviously the way this sport works, stuff we could say could be totally outdated by tomorrow. So keep that in mind when you're listening. Obviously, if we're talking about a player and then he opts out on Thursday. I mean, totally outdated. As of right now, you have no children. By the time someone listens to this, you could have your first child here in the world. That's how close to D-Day we are here. I'm on baby watch. So, yes, uh, I like Georgia Southern a lot in this game. Um, I bet him plus three. They've moved all the way to like three and a half. I still like it because I think the style Georgia Southern plays with that passing attack, they play quick. I think this is good out of hand if they pull away early. You mentioned it. No Rourke, no Bengura, no Allison. Miles Cross is out. You didn't even mention it. Like, C.J. Harris is normally their backup. He's out for the season. So you, you said Parker Navarro. He's the third string. Ohio just looked broken all year. They, they were able to beat the bottom of the MAC. And with Georgia Southern's offense, they, they want to throw the ball all over the yard. You said it. Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess are both expected to play as of now. So Ohio's got a good defense, but... Look at their schedule. Who's name the passing attack they played? Even in the even the non-con, they played like San Diego State, who has a safety playing quarterback, and FAU and, and Casey Thompson was terrible. So like, I think the Eagles can really pull away in this one, and just the style that they play. You know, if they get down early, and then Ohio's got to start throwing the ball to the third string quarterback, Jordan Southern could blow the doors off them. So like I said, I have plus three, but I still like three and a half. I think I think they could crush them. All right, where are we headed next? All right, next we are going down to the bayou, the New Orleans Bowl, Jacksonville State, minus three and a half against Louisiana. I'll just say this. I love Jacksonville State. They were were one of the teams where I was kind of like, I'm blindly betting it no matter what the line was. Jacksonville State opened three and a half. It's now all the way down to minus three. James Madison got all the attention, but the Gamecocks, 
eight and four in conference play, six and two in their first FBS season. So they really don't have any. They only got their kickers in the portal. But other than that, there's really nothing in portal wise for either of these teams. So to me, this just comes down to a. Uh, I think Jacksonville State's better. I think you know, Louisiana State's terrible against the run. That's what Jacksonville State does best. Malik Jackson, Anwar Lewis, Ron Wiggins, Zion Webb's legs. Obviously, we talked about him all year. I think they just run the ball down Louisiana's throat all game. I mean, I'm curious if you see it differently. We know Richrod loves – that's another one where – this is another game where we know Richrod loves to play fast. So if they get up – or like they can keep running it up quickly. So I'm I'm all over the Gamecocks here. So in full transparency, this is like a mid-20s confidence play for me on Jacksonville State. I have no problem laying the three points. Zeon Chris broke his fibula against Arkansas State on November 4th. You were high on him. I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be a huge difference maker next year. I think an opportunity to play him early in the season and the region Cajuns because their offense just looks different. But without him, they lost to Southern Miss. Woof. They lose Detroit by seven, which is a good loss. And they beat, you know, Monroe by 31. I don't care about that because Jacksonville State's defense is the truth. They're 13th in success rate. Awesome against the run. Fourth in yards per carry allowed at allowed only 2.8. My only concern here is really, it's two things. One, J-Rock Swain is questionable. He is the best player, I think, in this game on their edge, um, on either side of the ball for either team. So I'd love to have him just to make life really difficult for Louisiana if they fall behind in this game. But the other thing that scares me just a little bit is Rich Rod in bowl games. Two and nine against the spread in bowl games. So that is really rough. Um, hopefully he'll be able to buck that track a little bit and kind of dig his way out of this. Uh, Ben Chandler Chandler Fields is he back at quarterback for Louisiana? I believe so. He's the presumptive starter in this one. Yeah, I agree with the Rich Rod thing. I just think it like it just Louisiana can't stop the run, and that's kind of all Jacksonville State does. So I just think it's a really good matchup for them. I mean, I'm hoping you're right. We're on the same page here. I just think there's a little bit of an issue in terms of. I guess it's a little bit of hidden value on Louisiana playing in a much better conference in terms of like their overall competition. Um, But I just think at the end of the day, this is going to be a bit of a rock fight and Jacksonville state. I have more trust in their offense and their ceiling. So we'll go ahead. looks like we're aligned on that one. I have a question for you. New Orleans bowl, Louisiana playing the New Orleans bowl. Do you view playing, you know, we'll talk about uh, Boston college. Do you view, a team playing at home or close to home as an advantage, home field advantage or a disadvantage. Cause like you don't really get the, like we're in a bowl feel the perk of you, you get, you know, three weeks practicing at home and then you're just like still at home. Like do you see that as like a, they'll be less interested cause it's not like the glitz and glamor or do you see it as an advantage? Cause like the, obviously, I mean, Jacksonville State should travel too, but do you see it as more, they'll have home field advantage or they won't be like as motivated. I mean, it's always a slippery slope to get into the mentality and, you know, who's excited to be there. But I just try to look at it as a preseason situation. Like Louisiana, for a long time, was competing for Sunbelt Championships under Billy Napier. This year kind of went off the rails and they just sneak in with, you know, a win over Monroe to get in at six and six. Whereas Jacksonville State, it's their first bowl game ever. I think there's novelty to it. I think that they clearly were a better team for the majority of the season. And I think there's that motivation of getting to play in a venue like they're going to to play in. I think the excitement level is going to be there. And really travel-wise, I think this is probably going to be a 50-50 crowd. I don't see Louisiana just because it's the home state getting a huge bump. It's not just – I'll have to go ahead and Google map it, but I don't think it's that much farther for their fan base to come for the Gamecocks. All right, turning to the Avocados from Mexico, Cure Bowl. I love the sponsorships. I will be reading out sponsorships for every one of the bowls that I announce. Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, playing App State, laying five and a half, a little bit of a surprise, because Miami of Ohio obviously winning the MAC title, kicking Coach Candle and the Rockets out of potentially a New Year's Six bowl game. Playing a big time spoiler there. This total sitting at forty seven and a half. I mean, hand up. We got a lot of things right on this podcast. Calling things early, we were not on the App State offensive explosion. Joey Aguilar enters with almost thirty eight hundred total yards, thirty five total TDs. Nate Noel is out, but Kanye Roberts, in my opinion, is ready to roll. I think he'll be the next great, you know, Mountaineer running back. Keep that tradition alive. As I mentioned, Miami Ohio off of the conference title, but they're down to their third string quarterback, Henry Hessen has thrown five college passes. He's likely to start in this one. That's tough. But we just keep underestimating Miami, and they keep covering. They've covered 10 of 13 games this year. 
and really comes out of their defense, seventh best scoring defense in the country, 16.2 points per game. They're absolutely dominant on special teams with Graham Nicholson, the Groza Award winner in the portal, out of the portal. He's back. He's coming to Miami for one more year. He'll be kicking in this one. I don't know. I think I'm probably leaning towards App State. I think the number is a little bit high, a little bit rich for my blood at five and a half. So this is more of a maybe a single digit or 10 pointer in the confidence pool. But in terms of the points, Miami really showed me a lot against Toledo. Like when they get up for a game, their defense can hang with anybody. So it's a pass for me against the spread. Yeah. So as you'll hear throughout this pod, I have a ton of good closing line value and was on the right side of a lot of line movement transfer news uh, that got really good numbers. This is not one of them. This is one where I bet Miami, Ohio money line and Avion Smith entered the portal, portal like two hours later. So like I said, I bet Miami, Ohio money line. I wouldn't bet that without Avion Smith, but I, I still like it on the spread. The numbers floating around. It keeps moving depending on the book. You can get six and a half at places. If you can get over six, I like Miami, Ohio. You said, as we saw in the MAC championship game, Miami can win this game with defense and special teams. That's what they've done all year. You mentioned Graham Nicholson. How often do we get a big run it back graphic for the kicker coming back? But he's the best kicker in the country. We also got one for Matthew Salopek, who is their star linebacker, who's also returning. He's one of the best defenders in the MAC. He's quarterback of the defense. So you're going to win with defense and special teams. You got your two best players coming back so as much as smith being in the portal sucks it's a little bit of a who cares like he really didn't do anything we just saw troy run it down app state's throat so run the ball with rashad amos play defense make field goals win the game uh like i said i have money line probably wouldn't take it again without smith but i would still take miami ohio uh plus six and a half next up is the group of five deep dive bowl just kidding the new mexico bowl new mexico state minus three and a half First Fresno State. Usually we're going to read transfer portal news. Guess what? I'm not reading them. Diego's playing. That's all that matters. Jerry Covers came out and said Diego's good to go. Good enough for me. We're taking the Aggies. Minus three and a half. That's all I care about. If you did want to learn anything else, me the only big key that kind of helped me also, Jeff Tedford's not coaching this game due to health concerns. Uh, really, you know, no big opt-outs on either side other than Jeff Tedford being out, like I said, Diego's playing. We're taking the Aggies. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. This of course not. Basically, once Jerry said he's getting an MRI, I'm cautiously optimistic, and then said he's good to go. That's all I need to hear. I mean, I also, can read. I can read off all the stats, but it's a Ponzi scheme. It's it's an emotional, you know, basically conversation that we have to have between our listeners. And these guys have been an ATM. They went 11 and three against the spread. They hit big plays when he scrambles 22nd in aerial explosives. They scored 31 on the frickin' road against Auburn in an upset. They scored 35 with a backup play in for a quarter plus against a Liberty team that's in the New Year's Six Bowl. Like, these guys are gutty. They're going to play hard. I know that Trent Hudson, their wide receiver, he had 10 TDs. He's in the portal. But other yeah, than that, right. pretty clean situation for the Aggies. And you mentioned it. Jeff Tedford out. Also, this team went from 8-1 and one and 4-1 and one in the Mountain West. Absolutely had a path to the New Year's Six. Finishes eight and four, four and four in conference. Blowout loss to San Jose State. Eight point loss to New Mexico. That one is a gut punch to lose by eight to New Mexico. Woof. And then a fifteen point loss to San Diego State. I just view this as Fresno headed in the wrong direction at the wrong time. And now they got to go back to the state of New Mexico and play against a team that's you know America's yep. gambling darling. So you also have a Fresno State team that last year won the Mountain West championship. And then beat Washington State in the LA Bowl, and now they're playing New Mexico State in Albuquerque. Like, come on, like that's such a drop off for them. You said no head coach. They're probably, like, there's no way Fresno State cares about this game, where you know Jerry Kill's going to get his boys out. Also, like I said, Diego's playing, but boy did Blaze certainly look electric as well. So, God forbid, worst case scenario. I'll ride with Blaze any day of the week after what I saw from him in the second half of that game. BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, you just mentioned the L.A. Bowl. I believe it used to be the Jimmy Kimmel. Now it's the Starco Brands. 
UCLA laying two against Boise State, the total at 49 and a half. And this game is heavily impacted by the transfer portal and opt-outs. Talon Green goes from the Mountain West Championship game, runs right off the field, onto a plane, down to Fayetteville to hopefully be the replacement for K.J. Jefferson. Their backup quarterback for Boise is out for the season, Madsen. We could see true freshman C.J. Tiller in this game. Yes, uh, Genty is in, but will you know UCLA just focus in on him? Also, kind of a cool story. They kick the tires on a couple of different options, but they go with Spencer Danielson now from interim to the full-time head coach. The whole team went crazy. It was a great you know, feel-good video because a lot of the players were going Rudy-style, going to the AD's office and being like, I'll just walk out of this program if it's not Danielson. And apparently they tipped the scales. So good for him. But offensively, the quarterback play without Green, who really looked amazing in the Mountain West title game, like that's a big drop-off. But the Bruins are down plenty of stars, too. Dante Moore in the portal. The rumors are he's going to be a Michigan Wolverine. Latu has opted out. He's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. You know, Lynn, their D.C., goes cross town, leaves for USC. And their quarterback, Ryan Gunderson, left to be the O.C. at Oregon State. So not great for UCLA. Plus, Chip Kelly's never been phenomenal in bowl games. Two and three straight up, two and three against the spread. The only silver lining I could say why I lean towards the Bruins is is maybe he saw this coming. He played like a million quarterbacks this year. And Ethan Garbers could play. And if he doesn't, Colin Schley could play. He's had some experience playing this season. No one is knocking my socks off in this game. So maybe I go under, maybe a slight lean to UCLA. But this is like a four-pointer on the confidence board. This game, you know, if everybody was healthy and Dante Moore, they let him cook. And Talon Green, you know, was riding that momentum. This could have been one of the best P5 versus G5 bowl games. But instead... I think this one's going to be a turd. That's just, just my feeling here on the LA Bowl. Yeah, we've had some good games because we had, like I said, Fresno beat Washington State last year. I believe the year before, didn't Utah State beat Oregon State? Am I making that, that up? That sounds right. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I was I was hoping you'd convince me you did not do a good job. Uh, <laughs> I mean UCLA, but like I said, I was hoping you'd convince me to bet it, and you didn't really do that. Um you mentioned I mean, with, are, are you really going to put your hard-earned dollars behind Ethan Garbers in this game? My, like, my, my thinking is more green out, Madsen out. They're top three receivers in the portal. This is 100% the Aston Genty show. And even without Latu, you, you can't run on this UCLA front seven. They're second in the country. They've allowed 69 rushing yards per game, 2.3 yards per carry. The Bruins have only allowed three rushing touchdowns all season, the fewest in the country. So Latu, as of now, is the only opt-out for the defense. And I know, you know, Lynn's gone, but the, he's the only player so far that's opted out. I, I don't know so how... Are we Boise, talking ourselves into the under here? 49 and a half sounds a lot when you start I, throwing this around. I don't know how Boise State scores. Are you said the under is 49 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, we're taking it. Let's go. New pick. Delete everything we said. Under. <laughs> There we go. I don't, All know, right. I, don't know how, I don't know how Boise State scores. Unless all of a sudden, like, eight, you know, players opt out on defense, which, again, even with Latu's more of a pass rusher than a run stopper, but their linebackers are sick, and as of now, all of them are playing. I don't know how Boise State scores. Speaking of, you know, quandaries, putting yourself in this next bowl game that you're going to tee up, two of these teams have kind of been your darlings over the years. Who are you going with here? Yes, we are going to the famous Toastery Bowl. I don't even know what that means. This was the weird one that was like supposed to be the Bahamas, right? Then it got moved and Western Kentucky versus is, Old Is Dominion. Toastery Toasters or is it like JavaScript or is it an mm-hmm. app? Like what yeah. is Toastery? The The logo has a piece of toast on it. So I'm assuming. Okay, so that's super helpful. So we're off to a good start here. <laughs> and it's food based. Kitchen appliance. You Google it while I'm prefacing this. Uh, <laughs> Old Dominion minus two and a half at the time of recording. They opened as a dog. I actually bet them plus 155 on the money line. They were like three and a half point dogs. They swung all the way to a two and a half point favorite. And I agree with it because this is another case where Old Dominion outperformed expectations, fought hard to win their final two games to reach a bowl game. Western Kentucky, yeah, I'll wear it. I was wrong. I was all over them. They were expected to be in the conference championship game. They pretty much looked like shit all season. And you look at the transfer portal news, Old Dominion's without Javon Harvey. And Jordan Bly, two of their better receivers, and their starting safety. So those are kind of their big opt-outs. But Western Kentucky, 
their stud left guard, their starting center, their starting right tackle, their starting quarterback, their starting linebacker. Their whole offensive line is basically out. So that is a massive problem. Old Dominion is eighth in the country in explosiveness. They have two really good running backs, Kadarius Callaway and Keyshawn Wicks, who are both playing. Grant Wilson and their two top receivers are still playing, Romello Murphy and Kelby Williams. They both average 18 yards per reception. So they are just walking big plays. And this is the first bowl game for a lot of these Old Dominion players. So I think they're going to be excited to be here. Western Kentucky really just, like I said, they just didn't look good all year. 94th on offense, 103rd on defense. Pretty bad conference USA. I mentioned I'm trying to target some fun belt teams because of how good that conference was this year. And if I wasn't going to bet them, I pretty much am left with no choice. Because as you mentioned, I'm on baby watch. December 18th is the due date. And I threw out a tweet saying that I'm trying to convince my wife to name our child after the star or coach of the game that our son is born during. Well, somehow, Ricky, I said this was the due date. Somehow, Ricky Ronnie, my boy, former Penn State coach, somehow Ricky Ronnie saw the tweet and he responded and claimed naming rights to my unborn child. So I kind of have to ride with the Monarchs now. So give me Old Dominion, Uncle Ricky. We're riding with you, baby. I mean, that was a lot. Hopefully, are you riding, are you riding with us? I, of course, I'm going to ride with you because Western Kentucky, the offense was kind of broken this year, and it was broken before their offensive line fell apart and everybody left. So I am absolutely on Old Dominion. Found out the famous toastery bowl. Famous toastery is like looks like this boozy brunch place, kind oh, of in yeah. the American Southeast. You can get a flight of mini moses, a peach, mango, wild berry, passion fruit, and classic orange juice. That sounds delightful. I think that's probably what your wife's going to want as soon as she's done with the delivery. If the baby is born, you you might find us there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are on to, you know, from one silly bowl game to a very serious one. The Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl between UTSA and Marshall. This is one of my absolute favorite confidence plays on the board. The Roadrunners, I'm maxing out the points here. They're nine and a half point favorite over Marshall. Total sitting at 54 and a half. It's pretty simple. Jeff Trailer flirts with a bunch of Power 5 jobs, or at least maybe secretly gets an interview or two. He's back. Get the coaching continuity there. Dr. Frank Harris, his farewell game, seventh year in college, gives them what they need on offense from the quarterback position, but they've actually got pretty balanced by year's end. Like you were seeing them using all these different running backs. They had multiple backs beyond Kavorian Barnes. So I really like what they bring to the table from that perspective. They do lose AAC Defensive Player of the Year, Trey Moore. I think he's rumored to be going to Ohio State. But Marshall was a team that started 4-0 and then fell apart down the stretch going 2-6. and Cam Fancher is out. Cole Pennington is in, but he's not, you know, a world beater by any stretch. Their best offensive lineman, Trent Holler, is out in the middle of their O-line. Rasheen Ali very well could sit out, either opt out for the NFL draft or transfer to a Power 5 program. And I think he's got to be frustrated because they haven't been able to open holes for him all year. So I think the right team is favored here. I think it should be more, it should be closer to two touchdowns as opposed to nine and a half. I think there's value still here on the spread. So across the board, spread, confidence points, Roadrunners, meet me. Let's do it. Yep. I laid the 10 with the Roadrunners as well. As much as, you know, it's exciting to see a, a Pennington slinging the ball around in Marshall, uh, in a Marshall jersey. He just, he does not have the same accuracy as his dad did. Three games this year, zero touchdown passes, six interceptions. And you mentioned it. Rasheen Ali, does he enter the portal? Does he opt out for the draft? You mentioned, that, you know, their best lineman's out. Do they really run him into the ground? Because that's their only chance to win this game. And I, you know, I think they, I think the, the Roadrunners send Dr. Frank Harris off in style. I think you know, they, they're going to run it up for him. I think they're going to let him keep slinging it, let him do his thing. He will go down as the best player in this program's history. He he meant so much to this team that I, I think they just let him, let him cook in this game as kind of a, you know, Dr. Frank Harris appreciation night. So, yeah, meet me. Yeah, I mean, they were so close. They won seven straight games in AAC play, moving up, you know, in the conference pecking order. And they just had a bad game against Tulane, five turnovers. They got snake bit in that way. Their defense played well enough to keep them around. So I think this is a team that very well could have seen themselves in the AAC title game. You're getting value against a Marshall team that was flagrantly mediocre. And I just don't see where the offense is going to come from. It certainly didn't show up in the last six weeks of the season. 
December 21st, the Boca Raton Bowl, South Florida versus Syracuse, minus three and a half. Obviously, Syracuse fired head coach Dino Babers. Uh, Nunzio Campanelli, hey, Nunzio, is going to serve as the interim coach, a good old Paisan, so shout out to him. Uh, they hired Texas A&M's Elijah Robinson as a new DC, but other than that, no really notable opt-outs. Uh, Will Jones is out for South Florida. I mean, Jerry Bohannon, I forgot he was even on that team. Does he even have eligibility left? Um, it's kind of a stay away from me. I really don't have a feel. I think this is a good time, a good place to, in a conference pool, throw South Florida in there as a good underdog pick. South Florida is very boomer bust on offense, so they tend to get into shootouts in all their games. I'm not sure if Syracuse is built for that or will want to do that. Who knows Garrett Strader's status? So... I would throw South Florida as my confidence, not a high confidence pick, but you got to pick some underdogs to win. So I would just throw South Florida as my as an underdog play just because of the variance that they tend to play with. Hey, we're a G5 podcast here. This is a G5 superstar, Byron Brown. He had four games with four more touchdowns. They went from being an absolute dead body corpse offensively for the last two years to finishing 29th in explosiveness under Golish in year one. And also, Nyquan Wright was a nice little piece in the running game as well. Syracuse, this is one of those, like, it means a lot to South Florida. They're, you know, ascending. And Syracuse is basically starting from scratch. And that weird, like, substitute teacher vibe with Nunzio on the sideline. They have a different head coach. Who are they listening to? Like, as a Paisan, I'd love to go with Campanile, but I can't do it. So I'm going to go with USF outright. I'm going to, I agree with you. I think this is like, Spice it up with like a 10, 11 pointer in a confidence pool. Get plus like 125, 130 on the money line and maybe do a same game parlay with the over because I think if South Florida gets the win, it's because their offense is doing the heavy lifting. On to the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Georgia Tech UCF is a four and a half point favorite. Oh, this isn't a G5 game. We kicked UCF out. Get them out of here. We ain't talking about them. Gah. There we go. Thank you for keeping your co-host here honest because when it's I late, it's late night and Breeze just texted his ex. When, when, I, when I saw this, I was like, absolutely, I gotta sit down, I gotta do my homework, and I <laughs> was almost totally finished. And I was like, these sons of bitches are in the Big Twelve. They finally got me. I mean, college basketball, it's a lot more difficult. You got like Chicago State moving to the NEC, but like it shouldn't be that difficult for Hey, hey Gus Malzahn, yeah. are you up? <laughs> All right, just kidding. We go to Troy, laying seven and a half against Duke, 43 and a half as the total in the 76 Birmingham Bowl. DC Greg Gasparato is in as the Troy head coach, Trooper Taylor in as the Duke head coach. So we got some interim subs here. People Six might think we're making up these names. The last yeah, time. I mean, Trooper Taylor doesn't. Actually, they both sound equally made up. But I assure you that's real, as is the fact that six Duke starters are in the portal. They could be down two more due to injuries. Dwayne Carter at defensive line could opt out. He's got an NFL future. Troy has all their players. That's enough for me. I'm going to go ahead and lay the seven and a half here and hope for the best against a Duke team that at one point was ascending. They got that upset at Clemson. And then it all falls apart at the end of that game against Notre Dame, and it never got back on the tracks. So I'll go with the Trojans here. Yeah, I think John Summerall's a good enough coach that him leaving scares me away from laying the spread. But I like Troy Moneyline in – I would have him pretty high in confidence play uh, confidence pools. I also think Troy's just a good Moneyline parlay piece. Um, I would anchor them in other uh, other games. You know, I'm trying to look at if there's any other games that day. You know the UCF game or whatever. If you wanted to tack on uh, Troy money line to a couple of money line parlays, I would use them. I think they win the game, but like I said, I'm staying away from the spread. But if Gunnar Watson and Kamani Vidal play, Troy should win the game. All right, next up we have the Camellia Bowl, Arkansas State versus Northern Illinois. Not a ton of opt outs in this one. You got Arkansas State without starting linebacker Javante Mackey, Northern Illinois without their best receiver Trayvon Rudolph. I think that one's more significant, and I like Arkansas State in this spot. I'm trying to target a lot of Sunbelt teams, as I said. 12 of their 14 teams reached the bowl, so I think they were a pretty good conference. I think the MAC was pretty bad. So Arkansas State was better than a lot of people thought. I know you were burying them early in the year. Freshman Jalen Rayner took over, though, and after three games, and this offense really improved. They, they weren't really super consistent, but top 20 in the country in explosiveness. They were pretty good at getting big plays. 
And Northern Illinois, just their offense is so one-dimensional. They have no passing attack. Now they're without their best receiver. Their their whole receiving core is hurt. Defense can't stop the run. So I just don't think this team's very good. And I don't think the conference is very good as a whole. So I think the Red Wolves are a better team. So I'm going to ride with Arkansas State here. I know this isn't a sexy underdog plus one, but got to pick some underdogs. This is a good one to take, take a little money line on the Red Wolves. Butch, better have my money. This is a good pick. This is a really good pick. Uh, they're 6-1-1. One, one. That's Butch Jones in bowl games in his career against the spread. He clearly cares about it. He gets his team up for it. And you hit all the main points. NIU, it's not just uh, Rudolph who's out. You know, Rukowitz as well. They don't have anything on the perimeter. And because of what Arkansas State's been able to put together offensively, I agree. I think they're going to be playing from head and NIU just doesn't have it to to come back. So I like this one a lot. I actually think by my power ratings, this is off by six points. So this is one of the biggest differentials. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit heavier. I'm going to be in the 20s on the confidence pool on Butch Jones, of all people. Strange <laughs> bedfellows here in G5 land. Speaking of, needed to switch gears a little bit from, you know, picking up the, the purple pom-poms for JMU to fading them here in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. As my daddy always told me, don't bet against a service academy when there's a weapons manufacturer sponsoring a bowl game. It's, you know, a tale as old as time. Here we are. Air Force, I think, should be favored in this one. The total is at 41 and a half. And it's all because JMU's entire coaching staff just walked out the door. Head coach, DC, OC, quarterback coach, Ollie for Indiana. Offensive line coach, associate head coach, Damian Robleski. Robleski. He'll serve as the acting head coach. We'll have to get used to that name um, because JMU, in my opinion, they've already played their Super Bowl. They had their opportunity for a perfect season. They lose in overtime to App State with college game day on their campus. They come back, they play their hearts out in the season finale. I think they've left it all on the field. They've also left a lot of people in the portal, four starters, three contributors who were in the portal who could be out. They said that they want to stay in and play in the bowl game. But as we know, these things change hour to hour. So be sure to check Stucky's tracker for opt-outs and transfer portal information. Ahead of this one, Jordan McLeod, their quarterback, said he'll play. But, you know, if a Power 5 school or another G5 school says, we want you on scholarship, we want you in the program right away, I don't really know if they're just going to say, yeah, yeah, sure, go play your bowl game, potentially get hurt. So that's what puts it up in the air. Jalen Green, their All-American, you know, edge player, he remains out. Whereas Air Force has a big donut hole, zero people in the transfer portal, which makes sense. There's no revolving door there at a service academy. Um, Zach Larrier should be back at quarterback. Dane Kinneman and Jared Rosnos on the perimeter will be back. And I think because of those additions, your starting quarterback and your explosive wide receivers, you're going to see them play closer to as they did earlier in the year when they started at 8-0. Finally, service academies in bowl games since 2003, 20-13 straight up, 23-10 and 10 against the spread. And Calhoun always does a great job getting you know these boys up for these games. So I'm going to go ahead and ride with the service academy here, going with Air Force, fly, fight, win. One of my favorite dogs of bowl season. I agree with this one. I like JMU. They were kind of like Jacksonville State. They were kind of a team where I was like, I don't care who they're playing. I'm taking James Madison. I'll be honest, I kind of wish they were playing any team but Air Force. I get it. Service academies are like blind bet-ons in bowl games. I know. I hate doing it. But to me, JMU was kind of a blind bet-on for me going in, and I'm riding with them. I disagree. I, I get it. Their whole team's in the transfer portal, but they are all adamant that they're playing in this game. They campaigned for this. They literally were writing like letters to Congress. <laughs> they did so much their chant their their fans are chanting let us bowl on game day you know for six straight hours them all transferring them having no coaching staff and coming together and saying we're playing this game together it matters to them it means something to them i think they're going to finish what they started i think they're going to fight i get it service academies but this air force team is in a tailspin they lost their final four games they they were they were they should be in a new year six bowl and they absolutely shit down their leg to end the year Zach Lair has been hurt. Is he back? Probably, but they're terrible without him, so he better be. Also, uh, John Lee Elridge is in the transfer portal, so they actually don't have their starting running back. And this James Madison team is just, they're first in the country in rushing success on defense. They are so good at stopping the run. I haven't played it yet because, again, 
college kids can change their mind at any time. I agree if someone comes and drops a bag. I mean, not that I think Jordan McLeod's getting like a bag. He probably goes to Indiana, to be honest with you. So I haven't bet it yet. I'm going to watch the situation. This game is at 3.30 on Saturday, the 23rd. If all those guys get off the bus, I'm hammering James Madison. I like the Dukes here. I think they finish what they fought for for two years together, and then they all ride off into the sunset. One of our bigger disagreements, I love the Dukes here. All right, the next bowl game is heavily impacted by the portal. What do you got? Idaho Potato Bowl, Georgia State, Utah State. I'm going to read my notes for you word for word. I put absolutely no feel. I will read down the names. Marcus Carroll, their stud running back for Georgia State, is in the portal. He just announced he's going to Missouri. Missouri. Yep. Great get for them. Their top receiver, Robert Lewis, in the portal. They're starting right tackles in the portal. Their backup running backs in the portal. They're starting cornerbacks in the portal. On the Utah State side, really no significant news um, other than uh, Levi Williams is retiring to join the military. But He's going to be a Navy SEAL, or at least he's going to try. So, so that's phenomenal. He certainly wasn't a quarterback, so I don't know who's playing quarterback. Ooh, I, don't, I don't like that talk. Listen, <laughs> he ran them into bowl eligibility over New Mexico. You know what? Just for that, I'm doubling down. I'm on Utah uh, State. That was the lean as now play. Levi Williams balled out for Wyoming in the bowl game last year. He so, sure did. Charlie Levi Williams. Uh, I don't know who Utah State's quarterback is. Is it going to be Cooper Legat or McKay Hillstead? I have no feel on this game. Georgia State was such a bipolar team all year without Carroll. I, yeah, I have absolutely no play. I mean, I'm, I'm leaning Utah State in the famous Idaho Bowl, but that's about it. Just because every Georgia State just basically laid down at the end of the year anyway, and now all their quality players are gone. So you, you can't really advocate for taking the Panthers. Uh, yeah, I'd probably, I'm not betting it. I'm not watching it, but I'd, I'd probably take Utah State in like confidence pools low, but I'd have them. I'd, that'd be the side I'd go with. All right, 68 Ventures Bowl. You can help me out on this one. Look up what 68 Ventures is. It feels like a Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors situation. South Alabama laying 16 against Eastern Michigan. EMU is down to Ike or EK Udenwu, the third at quarterback. Mainly a rushing threat. Can't throw the ball. South Alabama, disappointing season, but up and down. I mean, they crushed Oklahoma State in Stillwater. But they have, you know, Lacey in the portal. He's not going to be there. Is it Carter Bradley? Is it Trotter, a quarterback? Either one, I feel like that's a huge, you know, advantage over what Eastern Michigan's trotting out. LaDamian Webb announced he's going pro. I doubt that he still plays. But, like, let's not mince words here. This is all about fading Eastern Michigan. They are the very worst bowl team. They are outside the top 100 in offensive and defensive efficiency. And their six wins were absolutely putrid. Howard, UMass, Ball State, Kent State, Akron, and Buffalo – I just I don't see how they score very much in this game. They finish 119th in success rate, 125th in explosives. So they can't put together drives. They can't, you know, have those quick strike opportunities. This is going to be, if not my top, one of my top two or three confidence plays, even with South Alabama a little bit, you know, playing with a hand tied behind their back without Lacey on the perimeter. I still think they get it done here. So I'll take the Jags. Uh, 68 Ventures is an investment company in Daphne, Alabama. Their tagline is, we offer real estate services that deliver results for clients, customers, and partners. Our bold vision and drive are transforming the Gulf Coast. Uh, I believe Daphne, Alabama, hometown of West Virginia legend Pat White. I'm going to look this one up real quick. I love Pat White. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not betting it. South Alabama, I'd have them pretty high in confidence pools, though. Eastern Michigan is absolute hot garbage, and they don't they don't even have their their bad quarterback. So God knows what the backup must be like. So yep, South Alabama pretty high in, in conference pools, but I'm not betting this game. All right, what's next? Next game I do love from a betting perspective is the Hawaii Bowl, Coastal Carolina against San Jose State. I'm sure you're riding with me on this one. I love San Jose State, like I, even at minus ten. They enter this game so hot, six straight games to end the year, as I believe my esteemed co-host called pretty early. You called it after like what on game two in that six game streak. You said they're winning out. Yeah, I mean, I was on it. They, as I kept banging the drum, they played such a difficult opening schedule. They were playing Oregon State and USC and Air Force when Air Force was rolling, and then as soon as they started playing some tin cans, they started knocking them down. And in my opinion. Coastal with Ethan Vasco, Vasco as their quarterback. Yeah, yeah. McCall's, in the McCall's in the portal. McCall's in the portal. 
by the way, him coming back one more year cost him so much money. In terms, yeah, I mean, I mean, he was probably what great. second, third round draft pick last year if he came out, and now it's like, would he even be drafted if he entered the draft? Jared Guest is out. Starting receiver Jared Brown is out. They're starting running back CJ Beasley's out. They're starting linebackers out. Uh, San Jose State's pretty pretty good. They're they're going to be without their left tackle and their tight end. Um, but Cordero's playing, and we saw how he got going last to the end of the year during your hot streak. You were riding him. Thirteen touchdowns, one pick in the last six games. Ty Robinson is an absolute stud running back, over hundred yards per game, and. San Jose, this Coastal Carolina team just can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. I expect the San Jose State offense to be able to do whatever they want. And then the Spartans' biggest weakness is their run defense, but this is not the Jamie Chadwell Coastal Carolina running offense. They're 104th in the country in success rate on the ground. Now they don't have their starting running back. So I think San Jose State just rolls them here. So, yeah, this is another one. I, I have the Spartans, like, second in my confidence picks money line wise and i i bet a minus 10 i mean as of recording right now and stucky will update on the tracker but coastal has the most players in the portal in all bowl season they get 19 players in total they also have the longest road trip from conway to honolulu just an absolute brutal stretch san jose state's already done this road trip once so there's no novelty for them they won 35 nothing against the fighting rainbows so yeah, this is one of my favorites too. Um, well, I think uh, San Jose State. Can... Cordero homecoming, baby. Yeah, I mean, he should have some, you know, fans in the stands for this one. And honestly, I think, you know, in terms of the differential between the Sun Belt and the Mountain West, I think the Mountain West and certainly the non-con prepared San Jose State for this run. I love their head coach as well. He hasn't been able to break through and consistently win in bowl season, but I think what he's accomplished this year is so impressive that I want to keep riding the hot hand. Going from the tropical climate of Honolulu to Detroit, Michigan for the quick lane bowl between Bowling Green, who's there for the second straight year, and Minnesota. Minnesota, gross. They're a three and a half point favorite. How? Oh boy, this game, this is the, the first game that I immediately just thought, I was like, I have to blindly bet under. I don't care what the number is. It came in under 40, sitting at 38 and a half. Still going under on this one. Minnesota, somehow this season, they beat Iowa and they beat Nebraska. They finished 38th in S&P plus defense and 19th in special teams. But their offense is horrific. The Greek rifle is now out. Cole Kramer probably in at quarterback. Minnesota went 5-7. and seven. They also finished 3-9 and nine against the spread, which is the worst of all bowl teams. I think they're tied with USC. Not in the same conversation, not for the same reason. USC was laying some pretty big numbers earlier in the year against a Bowling Green team that's awful on special teams. Not really special anywhere else. They have losses in their secondary. Jalen Husky into the portal. Trent Sims out with an injury. The Bowling Green defense, though, held five of seven teams to 19 or fewer points in their wins this year. So, yeah, I'm just going under. This is just an absolute rock fight. These teams do not have it offensively. And I don't know. I think Minnesota's got a little bit of momentum in terms of the portal. I saw early on they signed one of the best FCS quarterbacks from New Hampshire. So I think they're trying to like build off of this and – you know that Mr. Row the Boat, P.J. Fleck, is a motivator. I think he'll get his guys focused at least on defense here, but it's the same golden gopher offense that's been stuck in neutral all season. Yeah, I lean, I lean Minnesota, um, especially if they don't throw a pass the whole game, would be just ideal because Bowling Green's 110th in success rate against the run. I know that's all Minnesota wants to do and all they really are even halfway decent at. But you mentioned it, Mr. Row the Boat, Mr. Motivator. And what better motivator? Then this being just an epic revenge game because Bowling Green went into Minnesota two years ago and beat them 14 to 10. And I bet you PJ Flack has made them. He's like, hey, we're not watching Christmas Vacation. We're not watching Elf. <laughs> we're watching this 14 to 10 game tape where freaking Mac McDonald lit it up for 170 yards. So I bet you they're, they're re-showing that game and this will be a nice revenge spot for Minnesota. I'm not betting it, but. I lean the Gophers. Yeah, that's one of those Big Ten classic games they put on during like June on the Big Ten Network just to uh, just in case you're getting a real itch for college football. It's like why don't you slow your roll a little bit? Games can look like this. Here's a good here's a good tip for everyone. This game is December or yeah December 26th, Tuesday at 2 p.m. Maybe your in laws came over for Christmas. 
and now we're getting into Tuesday, and it's 2 o'clock, and they're still there. You throw this game on and make them watch it, I promise you they'll be gone by halftime. So use this as your little tip. Be like, listen, Grandma, we're throwing on Bowling Green, Minnesota, and she'll be out of your hair by halftime. You're welcome. From one of the lowest projections in all bowl season to a game that I think has absolute shootout potential, hit me with this next one. Yes, we are going to the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Texas State is minus four and a half against Rice. Two big opt-outs here. We have Calvin Hill opt-out for Texas State. And Rice, JT Daniels. We joke about Frank Harris. He's probably a doctor too because he's been in college at nine different schools. He diagnosed so, his own head, which yeah, was he, whole broken glass. He, so, yeah. Yeah, when they, yeah, when they say medically retired, they it's not because of the injuries. He just he went into medicine. He's practicing medicine. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so JT Daniels is out. I don't have a strong opinion on here, so I would say take a shot with uh, Rice because I think Texas State is totally unpredictable this season, and they're really up and down, so they're either going to win big or lose outright. And I think a lot of casual fans who don't listen to the Group of Five deep dive regularly, they saw you know ESPN and all the big names tweet about JT Daniels medically retiring. He's the only player on either of these teams that casual fans can name. So they're probably like, oh, Rice doesn't have their quarterback. Let's bet Texas State. I think this is a good shot. Take a shot with Rice. Take take the upset pick here. AJ Padgett looked totally fine in the finale. Totally he had 255 and three TDs. Like JT Daniels was someone who could play at like a B plus, A minus level. And he also had plenty of stinkers during his career at Rice. So like, Let's not act as though he was the difference maker. I agree with you. I think that's an mm-hmm. overcorrection by the market. And I think when people look at like the underdogs to take, they're like, who's like a two and a half, three point? This four and a half, I feel like is enough of a threshold where it's a little bit more of a risk that not a lot of people are going to take it. So I think this is a perfect spot to target an underdog in your confidence pools. If you want to bet the game, I would just bet Rice Moneyline and just hope for the best. I'm going to go over on that one. 60 and a half, I do not think is high enough for two offenses yeah. that potentially could score in the upper 30s or 40s on their own. Um, it would be a real shot in the arm if Joey Hobart could come back. He's the best wide receiver for Texas yeah. State. So keep an eye on that. All right. From one shootout to another, the guaranteed rate bowl, Kansas laying 12 and a half against UNLV, 64 and a half. Hmm. I'm thinking over there. I mean, my only concern is pretty simple. Penn State goes ahead and snatches the Jayhawks play caller, Andy Kotelnicki. Is that is that a correct pronunciation on that one? He's off to Penn State. Kansas, I mean, they got injuries on their line. They could be down two starters. Jordan Maiava is at least rumored to be in the portal. Stucky said that he thinks that it's the wrong one, that somebody like misconstrued a tweet or something on social media about another one with the exact same last name at BYU. Bottom line is, I like the over here. UNLV's defense looked awful against Boise, and they have injuries in their secondary that are not going to get you know patched up before this game. I think Kansas in general is still at a point in their program building that they're not going to overlook a bowl game. They're not going to snub their nose at the guaranteed rate bowl. So I see this potentially turning into a shootout. My only caveat is, yes, it's December 11th. You're listening probably the the week of the 10th, the 15th, whatever it is. Just check in if Brennan Marion has been plucked away from UNLV because he is somebody who's interviewed for head coaching jobs. I think at UTEP, he's certainly going to have opportunities to move up to the the Power Five level as well. He's the difference maker here. His go-go offense gives UNLV a chance to score 20, 30 points in this game, which would certainly aid the over. If he leaves, I'm pulling this bet off the board. Yeah, I agree. Definitely follow that. But I agree. I love the over. I already bet it. You mentioned it. Colton Nicky's off to Penn State. I am so excited. He was a name I threw out when we talked coaching carousel two weeks ago. Even without him, you know, most of the work, the install, the prep, all of his coach, all the other coaches are still there. Falcons was 10th in the country in success rate, 25th in explosiveness. They're, they can run, they can pass. This offense is so creative. And that's something that kind of has follow, followed Leopold. So I think it's just as much as of, of him. 113th on defense, can't stop anything, especially bad against the run. You mentioned the Brennan Marion thing. That's kind of my one, like, eh, I really hope he stays, but because this go-go offense, super explosive, also does a ton of creative things. So just like Kansas, you said, their defense sucks. So I think this is going to be a super fun game, and I think we see some crazy plays, some cool tricks, some innovative stuff. 
I think it's going to be a super exciting game, and both teams are going to pull out all their bag of tricks. And these are two coaching staffs that have a lot of bag of tricks. So I am very excited for this game, and I love the over here. Next, on Wednesday, December 27th, we are in the Military Bowl. Virginia Tech minus seven and a half against Tulane. Virginia Tech, we have their cornerback is out. Tulane, the real big news, head coach Willie Fritz off to Houston. Great hire for Houston. Sucks for Tulane, but I thought they replaced him very, very well with John Summerall. I really like that hire. The Green Wave, Chris Brazell is in the portal, which is big because Lawrence Keyes is also out. Two of their three best receivers. Um, they have a couple D linemen out. Hokie seven and a half. I have no real feel. This is a weird game where Fritz left for Houston and the opposite of James Madison. His entire staff's going with him too. OC, DC, D line coach, wide receiver coach. But they're staying to coach the bowl game. Yeah. Kind of doesn't make sense because, like, how much are they recruiting for Houston? How much are they prepping for this game? Like, are they just practicing without coaches? So I lean Virginia Tech. I don't know that I trust them to lay seven in a hook, but this is a game where I'm closely monitoring Michael Pratt's status. And I have tweet notifications on this time of year for like 25 different accounts. If I see a tweet that Pratt's going in the portal or opting out for the draft, I'll probably fire on the Hokies. Cause I just, without Fritz. And again, I don't know how much this coaching staff is paying attention. So no, no play for me right now, but I'm closely monitoring Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt, winner of the Gambling Heisman last year. Tulane also an ATM if you just bet they're under in every game this season. Two and 11. So two overs, 11 unders. That is wild for the Green Wave. I think just the expectations were that they were going to get it figured out. They played in so many rock fights. So I think I would lean under here, 46 and a half. I like Kyron Drones from Virginia Tech. I think he gives them, obviously, plenty in terms of the running game. And he had his moments as a passer. I like what Pry is doing. I think he's like slowly building. So I think seven and a half is probably too much, but I'll probably upper teens, low twenties in terms of confidence points for the Hokies here. This is it's a weird thing to say, but like they need a win like this as a stepping stone to like getting back to the middle class of the ACC. So hopefully they can get it for for the Hokies. All right, we're shipping up to Boston, December twenty eighth. My birthday. Happy birthday, me. And I get to sit down and watch the Fenway Bowl, which I was supposed to go to a couple of years ago, and it got canceled. Like The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Wasabi I thank you very much. One of the most ridiculous pairings in terms of a name and the bowl actual location. That was going to be the SMU, like Tanner Mordecai SMU, against the Brandon, the Brandon Armstrong Virginia team the year he was really good. The total for that game was like 78 and a half. It was going to be a gorgeous game. Awesome. Yeah. And then it, it got like, canceled that morning because a bunch of Virginia players got COVID and I was so pissed. Ruined my birthday. Anyway, unlike that game, uh, I like the under here because as we saw from SMU, their defense is just absolutely elite. As of now, their entire team is expected to play. Obviously, Preston Stone is out. BC doesn't really have any key guys anyway. All their guys in the portal, you know, have pretty much either been hurt all year or yeah, lost. BC was just well. ravaged by injuries all yeah. year. They just like couldn't like, catch a break without losing starters week to week. Yeah, Pat Garo has been out all year. They lost their their best receiver, Ryan O'Keefe, the UCF transfer, like super early on. They lost their tight end. So it's weird. You look at the names, you got like four injuries and eight guys in the portal, but none of them have played since like week nine. So it's kind of not a huge factor for them. And we said, you know, how elite this defense is. And we saw them step out without Preston Stone in the AAC title game. They held Tulane to 270 yards, fourth in the country in success rate. And then you look at Boston College, they can't throw the ball. They're top 20 in rushing rate. Quarterback Thomas Castellanos was, was good, but he's much more of a runner than a passer. Yeah. And the BC, Boston College has a terrible pass defense, but they're pretty decent against the run. And I don't expect SMU to throw the ball all that much. So BC, as I said, they lost their best running back. They lost their starting, their best receiver. So I think both teams want to rely on the run here. You said it. Fenway Park on December 28th. It's probably going to be cold and miserable. So I like under 51 and a half in the Fenway Bowl. It's a, it's a pitcher's park. I think that's that's a good line. Um, 
I think that's the only way you can play this. I think it could be aided even further by winds and potentially snow or sleet. Um, my only concern you know is not hard to me to kick field goals over the green monster. <laughs> it is going to be difficult. I, you know, if Big Poppy can do it, then hopefully, you know, these two kids can. My my only concern with SMU and a confidence pool perspective is this is why the bowl system's always been a joke. They went from being in the conversation for the New Year's Six Bowl, they beat Tulane. And now they get to go to the Wasabi Fenway Bowl against a, a broken down BC team. Like that to me seems like a pretty big emotional letdown. Like you already won the big, like th- this literally means nothing where you, you're conference champions. You can, you know, put, put that ring on for the rest of your life and know that you earned it. And they did it the hard way with a backup quarterback. But like, so that's why the emotional element of this, I, I'm clearly going to take SMU, but if Stone was playing or, if there's this was just closer to like an upper, you know, middle class bowl game as opposed to this thing, like I don't know. I'm probably gonna go ten points on SMU and actually because of the lower point total be rooting for BC to win via upset and to, you know, turn over the apple cart for some people picking SMU just based on the point spread, saying, Oh, they're ten and a half point favorites. They can't lose. They could absolutely lose this game if it gets mucked up in bad weather and Tommy C is just running around. He almost had a thousand yards rushing this year in eleven TDs, but from one home game to another, and one where I actually like the dog here, maybe to win outright. Maybe Memphis gets a little feisty playing at home in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Eight and a half point dogs to Iowa State, 57 and a half as the total. This is too many points, in my opinion. You know, Memphis, when you look at what they have in the portal, they got two linemen there. TJ Tampa could opt out for Iowa State. And then you start to like get into the some of the specifics here. First of all, Memphis is comfortable playing in high-scoring games. They were the best over team in all of the G5. 10 of their 12 games went over the closing number by an average of 10 points per game over the, the closing total. That's incredible. So they're blowing past whatever these numbers are. Then you got Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who for a while it seemed like this Iowa State job is going to be a stepping stone for Campbell. And now it's like, is he going to be there forever? Is he like ever going to get this together? Three and five against the spread in bowl games. So he kind of like, whenever the expectations are a little bit higher, he seems to fall back. And Memphis played really well down the stretch. They went 5-1. and one. They nearly upset SMU, and that was with Preston Stone. I don't know. This could be a fun Memphis money line or spread and over same game parlay for me. I'm going to have to check out the math on both of those angles. But I think if they win, they do it with lots of points. They have, you know, a veteran quarterback. I think this is the right team at home. Yep. I wrote down... No real feel, so take a shot on Memphis money line. I think conference pools, this is another good one, a big one. This is probably your biggest underdog bet you'll have, eight and a half. Memphis is playing at home, and they just play a ton of weird games. All their games, like we, the South Florida game was Banana Lands. They had like to combine for like 130 points. They just play a lot of weird games. They can't stop a nosebleed, but they can score on anyone. Everything they do turns into a shootout, and I – is Iowa State built for that? Do they want to get into a shootout in Memphis's home stadium? So I think this is the perfect high variance team. Throw a money line pick in there for your conference pools. If you're going to bet it, take Memphis money line and just hope shit gets weird, which it tends to do in Memphis games. Speaking of getting weird, talking about the bar. going to be my exact transition. Talk God. about the barstool bowl. Speaking of getting weird, the barstool sports Arizona bowl. The bet should be how many times does Portnoy and Big Cat drop an F-bomb on the CW? I don't think you're allowed to swear on the CW. I don't know. They never dropped F-bombs in Gilmore Girls, but we'll see if, <laughs> see if Portnoy's thrown around here. This is so easy for me. Hammer Wyoming. Because Craig Bull is retiring after this game, after 10 years in Laramie. That's pretty much the best motivational advantage you're going to get on any bowl team this season. I get it. Big Cat has a key to the city of Toledo. So the broadcast will likely be very pro Toledo, but it's a Toledo team coming off a loss in the MAC title game. Their quarterback, Daquan Finn, is in the transfer portal. Quinion Mitchell probably opts out for the NFL. So I get it. It's going to suck to watch this game betting against all the Barstool guys on the call, openly rooting for Toledo. But Craig Bull retirement game does not get more motivational than that this line was like two and a half it like swung with that announcement which is crazy to see like just the coach saying he's announcing and the line swung so i expect the cowboys to send craig bull out a winner 
carry him off the field. I love Wyoming here. I love fading teams that lose in their conference championship game. It's one and thing. Fading, right? And fading Toledo in general. <laughs> I just always start my card for bowl season just looking at those spots. Jason Candle, as the head coach of Toledo and Bowls, 1-5 against the spread. As you mentioned, Finn's out. Their star left guard is out. I don't think Mitchell's going to play. And Craig Bowl, who I said during our preseason extravaganza back in August, probably smells like onion rings and sawdust. This guy is such a perfect Midwestern, blue-collar, hard-hat kind of dude, and he's never lost against the spread in Bowls. He's 4-0-1 as the head coach of the Pokes. And he was a god in the postseason for North Dakota State. They are not losing for this guy against Toledo, who went from probably playing in the New Year's Six Bowl. They're going to put a one-loss Toledo because they lost by, what, two, or two to Illinois. If they had beaten Ohio, they would have put him in over Liberty. They could have been playing in the Fiesta Bowl, and now they're playing out in the desert against Wyoming. Emotional letdown city. I am with you. We are riding with Bowl, the Pokes. Wyoming's the play here. That's a good high confidence pick and, and confident and pools too. Two and a half point favorites probably won't be high on many people's list. Throw them way up there. All right. We are closing things out. As I mentioned at the top, starting with the Ohio Georgia Southern game all the way down to Liberty against Oregon and the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon at time of recording the biggest favorite in bowl season. Not that that's ever gone wrong for any team. Land 16. The total is high, but I don't think high enough at 65 and a half. So here we go. Some backups in the portal for the Flames. Two defensive contributors that didn't play in the Conference USA title game. They may get them back. But then there's Oregon, and this is the black box here. There's just a clown car of potential opt-outs. Like, Stuck went through and laid this out. What I love is he also attaches the snap counts for the season. Like, you're looking at 5,000 snaps potentially lost in opt-outs. Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin, Tez Johnson, Jackson Powers Johnson at center – you know, their right tackle, three defensive players who've played, looks like an average of 600 snaps this year. This is, I just mentioned it, fading teams coming off of a conference championship loss. Extra painful for the Ducks because they would have had a chance to play their way in had they beaten Washington and been the Pac-12 champs. They lost as a 10-point favorite. I think they closed in the Pac-12 title game. I have concerns that they are not going to be fully bought in. And the only thing that mitigates those fears is that Bo Nick said, He's playing. He's their captain. They're going to turn to him. And Liberty can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, Diego Pavia was going up and down the field. They bring in a backup that neither you and I had ever heard of. And this guy immediately is just shredding their defense. So Oregon, if they were focused, I'm not even joking. This is like a Portland State situation. They could score 84 points in this game. But if they're not focused, you got Jamie Chadwell, who I have a ton of admiration for. He basically stiff-armed away all the job offers and interview offers during this coaching carousel. He's bought in. Their offense couldn't have been more explosive. They were top five in explosive plays this year. Kaiden Salters looked phenomenal. Another player to keep an eye on, just in case there's an opt-out. I don't. I think, yeah, he's, he's eligible if he wanted to go to the NFL. I think that'd be ridiculous. But he could go into the portal. Somebody could offer him a bag. This is the NIL Wild West days. Anything could happen. But if they get this team in the current state to the stadium, I guarantee you when you flip this game on and they go, this is the Taco Bell student section, there's going to be a million freaking Liberty fans doing that like weird LU crap. Like there's 50,000 undergrads at Liberty. It's one of the biggest schools in the entire country. And they have a cult-like vibe. They got a Texas A&M vibe at the G5 level. These psychos are going to be there and they're going to, absolutely take over the stadium it's their super bowl they're the boise state from 2006 where oregon just like that oklahoma team you know would prefer to be playing in the national title game or at least in the playoff same thing it's like this letdown 16 i think it's going to go one of two ways either liberty is going to be in a four quarter you know shootout and potentially win this outright or oregon's just going to score a million points because liberty can't stop anything particularly the running game they're going to have major issues if bucky irving straps it up in this one yeah, I love Oregon, and I think, again, it's obviously the big caveat of who plays, and this could go really wrong and really sideways, but for starters, confidence pools, this is my number one most confident pick. Of the, I mean, it's easy to say it's the biggest spread, but I see no situation where Oregon loses this game. As you said, Bo Nix said he's playing, and I expect that'll help others follow him. Troy Franklin, Tess Johnson, Bucky Irving. I just don't think – I just – 
I think SMU should have been in this game. I think they give them a better game. Liberty played the worst strength of schedule in the entire country. They did not play a single – like, New Mexico State was the best team they played all year. So, sure, the offense is good, but the defense is just so-so. They give up a ton of big plays, and I expect Oregon to get a ton of big plays. Oregon's defense is top 25. I think Liberty is just totally outclassed. You mentioned Chadwell. I am so high on Dan Lanning. I think he is a phenomenal coach. I think he's going to win national titles at Oregon, or at least, you know, maybe titles is getting ahead of myself. I think he'll win a national title at Oregon. I think he's that good of a coach. Every, every you know, I get they only put like a highlight. Every clip I see him, I'm like, I would run through a brick wall for this guy. So I'm a huge fan of Dan Lanning. I think he'll get them ready to play. I think he'll, he'll hit the right messages to get them fired up, especially if Bo plays and if Bo gets his guys to play. Oregon just have they have such a massive advantage at the lines of scrimmage. I think they're just going to bully Liberty. And in terms of the yeah, obviously the sixteen and a half is not going to be great if Bo Nix and all these guys don't play. But in terms of confidence pool, I have it number one because even if they all opt out, I think Oregon's backups are likely all better than Liberty starters, so they should be able to win this game even if they all opt out. So give me the Ducks here. I think they. I think if if. Yeah, this is your handicap motivation for college students, which is never easy, but I'm kind of just going to gamble that they're motivated, and if they want to win this game by 50, they will. Can we at least get to some middle ground here to end this bowl uh, preview? Over is the right bet, right? 65 and a half yeah. does not seem like enough with two offenses that can obviously score over 30 points. That's, that's kind of my point. Far, right? like, we either both win or we both lose, because I think if if Oregon covers, it's because they score 50. So to your point, yeah, I, I do agree with you. They they either both hit or they both lose, most likely. Because <laughs> either all these guys opt out and it's or they all if they play and try, Oregon puts up a fifty burger and they win this game sixty two to seven. All right, a programming note. This has been the Group of Five Bowl preview on Wednesday, December thirteenth. We'll have our bowl season best bets. That's a combination of our best bets, both favorites and underdogs for your confidence pool, as well as Stucky and Collins. Then they're gonna break down the bowls into these different windows that get you a little bit closer to kickoff time to get you more accurate information in terms of opt-outs, weather, coaching changes, injury availability, all of it. So the first bowl preview is part one, comes out on Thursday the 14th. The second comes out on December 20th, it's a Wednesday. Then Tuesday the 26th, day after Christmas, is part three. And part four on December 28th is their final betting preview. And then they will be back for a national championship extravaganza on January 5th. That's a Friday. So plenty of BBOC coming your way. We're also going to start folding in some college basketball action. I'm excited to get back on the pod with Stucky. And we have uh, some new personnel to be able to trot out as well. So a lot of exciting things on the collegiate front coming from BBOC. Any closing thoughts here for bowl season, Ionello? Go Diego, go baby. We're riding with our boy. He's back. Enjoy it while we got it, folks. The land of enchantment, locomotive, doesn't have to go very far. Just from campus right there in Las Cruces to Albuquerque. So keeping it local, keeping it in the land of Hatch Chilies, as we learned when we watched together for the Conference USA title game, trying to have everything New Mexico themed. Didn't work out for us there, but I think it will here in bowl season. I love the Aggies in their game. All right, for Mike Ionella, I'm Mike Calabres. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive, our bowl extravaganza. Keep your eyes peeled for more content coming from us because we have our bowl season best bets on Wednesday and then Stuck and Colin giving you the very first episode of their four-part bowl betting preview on Thursday, December 14th. All right, guys, have fun. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.